0: rbk here there's a bit of a technical issue with this episode in that i did not turn on my microphone for the first half of it so we're gonna dub over those sections and uh the audio for extra fun if you're you go watch the youtube version i'm sure it'll be hilarious now on with the show
1: Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG, episode 119. I'm your host, Brendan Carrion, and today I am joined by an amazing panel of RPG enthusiasts. We got Ashley. What up, Ashley? How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing fantastic. Wonderful. I'm happy to Thanks. hear. It. And Daryl, how about you, my friend? How are you holding up? Doing really freaking well, man awesome dude those uh glasses and your uh flat delivery are scaring me you're reminding me of henry rollins and uh Uh, johnny mnemonic
2: (laughs) 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 i got the glasses i I wasn't paying attention when i picked them out and after the fact i looked in the mirror after i shaved and i'm like i look a little bit full um full metal jacket so
1: oh it's great it's a great look man i love it i love it And uh, on the wheels of steel, we got Richie Buzzkill. What up, player?
0: Not much, man. Just here uh, boiling and frying and all the other apocalypses been a lot of fun this week. uh, Frying and muggy. So at least we don't have cicadas. Uh, More talking. I'm still talking. This is ridiculous.
1: Right. There's cicadas down here. We got cicadas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but they're not crawling all over no. right. apocalyptic. I mean, maybe that's a trigger warp not Might gross. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, we were playing... Um, my roommate got the Horizon Zero Dawn board game. And so we were playing that last night, and the storm was going on. I'm like, it is over 100 degrees, and hailing outside. Like, hail started hitting. Wow. I was like, it is over 100 degrees, and there's hail. Ow. Like, I understand how weather works. Like, it's up there, it's cold, whatever. But still, it was very very you know, interesting.
1: Uh, the thing is and I know that's not a weather show but I think it's worth mentioning at least it was a monsoon. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like fucking Phoenix, we haven't really had a monsoon in like 2 years. I can't really remember the last real monsoon season. It's kind of interesting to me that like we took a a year off of like super hardcore carbon emissions just like kill the earth, breakneck speed carbon emissions and then All of a sudden, the weather kind of begins chilling out a little bit in the Phoenix, the Phoenix metro area, because it's actually been a really decent summer. It kind of the summer kind of reminds me of my childhood a little bit. Um, It'd be nice if we could dial back those carbon emissions more and uh, continue this trend of um, weather. It's like actually, you know, actually having some rather than just uh, blasting infernal heat constantly. (laughs) <laughs> that's my that's my weather hot take guys if you're here for weather hot takes welcome to full metal rpg we also do role-playing games um <laughs> so uh how's everybody doing everybody doing well i feel like it's been a while since we did one of these everybody holding it on all right yeah Great, right, yeah. great uh let's just let's just get right at, <laughs> let's just get right back into the black hole then shall we uh the black hole is the ever-sucking void of uh time money and energy it is uh, role-playing. It is the greatest of hobbies. Uh, so who's doing something fun in their hobby life? Uh, let's hear it. Who's who's doing something fun? Daryl, what about you, man? What have you been up to? You playing anything good?
2: So uh, we finally got back to Monster Mondays. Uh, we moved them to Thursdays. What? but For the alliteration, we are back on. So we did character creation. We did some story session. Um, I've got a good group of players. And uh, we had our first uh, session. We're playing Vampire the Requiem so getting back on track with my march through all of the onyx path books and uh, nice it's cool it's cool, it's, cool. I, it's been so long i had to go back and like read the book as we were going through it and i was like we're gonna do some preludes so that i can just kind of explore the mechanics again and remember what to ask for for roles and, and things like that and uh, we've got some really interesting character uh, concepts we've got a a uh, woman from the Salem witch trials in the 1800s, who was um, staked, put into torpor, and is being revived into our late 80s, early 90s, pre-cell phone era dark metropolis um, that we're calling it not Seattle and not Portland. It's kind of a mishmash of the two. Uh, but I got my my gold star. I made one of the players cry at the table with the first session,
1: so... Wow, bro. (laughs) Like, what what kind of tears are we talking about here? So, it's... uh, The character has um, a
2: lot of personal issues around uh, child-rearing and childbirth, and uh, she did not expect... She gave me a couple of set pieces to play with, and I gave her some severe hardcore betrayal... Um, where she was accused of murdering a woman during childbirth uh, by a pretty man that she was sort of enjoying as a character. Uh, and it was this like super hard twist where the uh, her mentor in herbology and witchcraft and whatnot had walked up to her and staked her on the gallows to prevent her from being exposed. So it was uh, it was pretty fun um but it was it was a heavy emotional twist for her to kind of realize what was happening and have that slow burn of like wait i'm
1: fucked so, oh okay so so it was a cathartic feeling it was yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a real genuine interaction okay that's great yeah. that's cool uh that's yeah that's neat man um so what kind of what's the thrust of your game what's the what's the uh sort of uh what's the elevator pitch
2: so without giving too much away to potential players who may be listening to the podcast, um, the idea is that essentially we're just we're going to explore Vampire Society as neonates and go on some missions, um, find out more about the Prince of the City, who we've established is a they pronoun user, but we're not certain whether that's because they are genderqueer or because they are potentially two twins who are inhabiting the same throne together, which could throw a plot wrench into things um and then we're gonna we're gonna run some things with neonate level and just kind of do some level zero stuff have some fun and then uh do a time jump and move forward so we can get into the deeper parts of the book and uh explore some of the higher level stuff so i want to do both yeah. this time because i've done enough of the low level stuff now i want to explore the higher level stuff but jumping right into it kind of just makes you superheroes so i want some hope oh.
1: first I, I love Requiem. I think you're gonna have a lot of fun. Sounds like a great horror concept to me. Sounds like you are already sounds like you guys are already kicking ass in that regard. Um I, I feel like uh there's not a whole lot of superheroism though in uh Requiem. I think it's 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 not like VTM where where they start getting real powerful real quick. Even once they start putting the, the dots on their character sheet, they don't get that much more powerful. The the power curve is much is much more I don't know what am I trying to say here. It's, it's 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 better for you as a GM, I think. That's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, well, and it all comes at a cost too. The the, mm-hmm. the VP spending really limits you on your ability to just yeah. power monkey through things. So you you've got right. to use that as a resource. And then I'm not just going to gloss over the feeding aspects because that's what I liked about uh, the fifth edition book was that they really put an emphasis back on that. So we won't go into super graphic horrible scenes, but we're going to set up feeding scenes that will have consequences. So. Yeah.
1: Solid. Great. Sounds like you're off to the races. Fucking killer, dude. Uh Ashley. Oh.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Wait. Oh. Uh, I I was really been enjoying uh Yeah. Uh Daryl and I do a uh, a story thing at lunch and I was talking about how like I had a thing for the character that was so much trials and uh about basically her being a blood bo- blood doll for 300 years instead of uh a, a uh a person who has been in torpor and so i'm really enjoying that and i hope and i'm still talking that's fun.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah but but that's risky as fuck because if you are being used as a blood doll then there's nothing that prevents that elder in the requiem rule set from being blood bound to you right and yeah. there's And there's no way that those elders want to be bloodbound to a bunch of little neonates or anybody, really. So, like... And that's one of the things that's really great about Requiem and why it doesn't descend into one of those weird superhero games. Because, like, you you start getting more and more powerful and it comes with all these super drawbacks. Like, I can't fucking feed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, So you really kind of... At a certain point, you hit this tipping point where you want to go into torpor. Or... You become this complete psychopath that is doing exactly what you're saying, uh, Richard. Where you're creating like body farms of people that you can feed off of, and then you're having them killed before you get too like attached to them. You know, like oh, make so and so disappear because I'm starting to feel love for them. I mean, it's really dark. You can, there's it's a fucking great game, man.
0: Well, yeah, I think it should be you know really dark to have uh, these elder monsters who. Uh, you know would have control over the city really i think different but, but we'll see um and try you myself. could
1: you 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 do have the potential of running a crazy city where everybody is just bloodbound to everybody else and like super infatuated with them and like very jealous of like the smallest things and that could be kind of cool too that'd be like really dark you know yeah, like, cuz it's, it's like
2: great ideas here i love it <laughs> bloodbound cult <laughs>
1: Yeah, like like everybody's wild-eyed and fanatical, you know. Like, why did you look at my boyfriend like that? And you're like, I'm just trying to find the door, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> in in addition, uh, one of my players, Dominique, she loves to create these characters that are freaking just awesome. We we did a uh, Promethean, and her character was mute and so she actually spent most of the sessions communicating via whiteboard with us. It was awesome. Her idea this time around is that she is playing a vegan vampire, so we spent a good half hour discussing the ethics of veganism and how it applies to vampires because technically you could find a willing victim.
1: Well, you could conceivably... Like, uh, if you were a well-enough connected vampire and you had some kind of endowment or something, you could get blood donors to donate their blood and then you could, like, clone it, right? You could, like, genetically engineer blood conceivably, which would actually be, like, a really interesting... I mean, kind of science fiction but, like, an interesting plot line that you could really stretch out into a whole chronicle about, like, if somebody was actually trying to do that, that would uh, have profound ramifications for what you might call the vampire economy you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. there would be a bunch of vampires who would be very interested in that and there'd be a bunch of vampires who'd be like fuck that we're gonna burn that goddamn lab down because we kind of need to maintain the status quo you know what i'm saying and part of the status quo is you got to get out there and hunt some dudes you know what i'm saying so that is interesting i love it you basically just described true blood
3: yeah yeah right (laughs) (laughs) like that's
1: basically what that is yeah (laughs) right right yeah Yeah, touche, (laughs) touche. Um, only without the waitresses. Yeah. (laughs) Less waitresses. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to play waitress, it's fine. Um, how about you, Ashley? What you up to? You you got thinking anything good?
3: Well, I um am not in the Thursday night vampire game because I have uh, Yukon Dark this month going, which we just wrapped up this week. So we did our final session of Yukon Dark. Um, only one person died, and it is a surprise who did because we. I my money would not have been on this person today. So we did have Was one. it the game master? No. <laughs> it was the game creator, spoiler, sorry, but <laughs> yeah. So uh it was good. It was it was so good and Madi is an amazing GM. Like she's such an incredible storyteller. Um just how her her creative her creative writing background really came out the entire campaign. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was really good. Uh, we so we're done with that and next month we're taking about four weeks off we're going to start a tiny supers campaign
1: and it's, oh uh, wow
3: yeah so that's been announced so I could say that but it's um, is that
1: your regular thing now so you just got you're, you're just going on with like a new game mm-hmm. set yeah oh cool
3: yeah so um, he said anyone who was on it could come back if they wanted to he let us all come back Um. so yeah it's going to be just like little 12 session things and it's just going to be an ongoing thing so uh, yeah, so we're doing tiny supers and Alan's actually jamming this. So I'm pretty Sick. excited to play with him jamming tiny supers.
1: Have you made your yeah. character yet?
3: I started yesterday because uh, we're doing character creation this Thursday and it's going to be on their Patreon. So if you um, are a patron of Gallant Knight Games, you'll be able to watch the character creation session. But we, uh, I, I was looking through it and I kind of came up with the concept that I wanted to do. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be great. So, yeah. so,
1: so ob- obviously there's some kind of, you know, you, there's non-spoilers. We don't want there to be spoilers. Yeah. But I yeah. do want to know. So if you could, if you're able to tell me, is it a street level game? Is it like a cosmic game? Is it kind of where where on the spectrum between street level and mm-hmm. cosmic is it as a, as a setting? Or do you know?
3: It's between the two. So it's between not... Yeah, it's not street level, but it's not like cosmic either. I don't think
1: so. It's kind of like where the just your basic Marvel movie kind of sits where it's like Mm -hmm. could go in either direction at a given moment, depending on the needs of the meta plot.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think that that's probably the best way to describe it. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Is doing the knight verse? Yeah. Oh, nice. Really interesting. Yeah, it's going to
3: be actually kind of fleshing out and exploring the Gallant verse a little bit. So, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be really cool. So, and, and so I'm was- excited to see how Maddie plays as a player because she was an incredible GM. And I'm sure she's going to be an amazing player too. But I'm excited. It should be good. But yeah, so that's why I couldn't join the vampire campaign. Although vampire is not my thing, we've talked about this before too. So, uh, and like uh, my roommate is in the campaign. And so I was talking to her about it. And she's like, first of all, Daryl is an incredible storyteller. And I was like, yes, he is. It's true. But uh, listening to some of the things that were happening, I was like, there is no way I would not want to be in this campaign. <laughs> it's just very just <laughs> dark. And yeah, I, I was just like, oh, my God. Like,
1: yeah, if yeah. you don't like because in the pre-show, we were talking about horror movies and yes. going to horror cons mm-hmm. and stuff. And yeah. uh, if you're not into horror movies, then. Yeah. And really, because 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 uh, it, it, when it comes right down to it, I think. uh World of Darkness games are for horror fans and soap opera fans, and <laughs> if you're a horror soap opera fan, yeah, then so much the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're not into horror, then you can you you can skip you can skip the wide stuff and yeah. be okay. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, so I'm interested to hear about it from all perspectives of how it's going, but it sounds like it's gonna be cool. And uh, actually, after this, I'm recording Mamrie Alpha, so we're going to start recording. Nice. Um, we took a, like two months off of recording. We've been releasing episodes, but we took a little bit of time off recording uh, just because it was really busy. And so I'm excited to get together with the girls and roll some dice today.
1: Killer. Killer. Uh, Richard, you have been super patient and haven't had a chance to say much. Right on me, string bean.
0: Uh, so Paul, uh, as uh, Paul from the Deep Dive Crew, has been running tiny dungeons, uh, and then we're also playing Eberron and just a couple sessions in dungeons. Uh, it's we're, it's more of a kind of a city game. We're just we're all from the same militia, and we're kind of there's the clocks of of people starving on the table. I'm I'm playing Wyatt, who is a daughter of her and has an archer. She's an archer. That's kind of where she her talents lie. And uh, I'm still what I was saying. Well, I mean, it's I think it's really interesting to see it's uh, talking about different But I think we're going to stick with tiny d6 for a while. And uh, yeah, i um, now I'm talking box, So he's actually put the clocks. Uh,
1: are these are these literal clocks? Are they, I mean, because I know you're talking about like the the storyteller tool. I mean, do you think he's actually using that tool, or has he said that he's using that tool, or are you just kind of giving us a framework for how he's running the game
0: yeah there are clocks on the table oh
1: wow so you're able to watch the countdown clock yes interesting cool cool hmm.
0: so that's that's been really interesting we'll see hopefully we can we're gonna go down the river and see a duke uh it's very low level very gritty fantasy uh are no mages no clerics uh all fighters uh, yeah i mean i'm still talking. I- <laughs> it's about something, 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 something. Oh, yeah, we're, we're chasing some, uh, we're chasing some eaves down to get back. That's still for some reason.
1: Ravenloft. Oh, um, yeah, how in. are you finding, uh, first of all, okay, so how are you enjoying the tiny D6 with this game?
0: I think it's really easy. I can play it really well. I could be drunk. <laughs> uh, it's very, very straightforward.
1: Do you guys drink hard when you play?
0: I mean, I have a few beers. Uh, it's not crazy. I just, uh, you know, I know that I could play it, you know, pretty tipsy. Uh We have the We have basically the uh, entirety of the rules as a pop. up to do this really quickly. Uh We had our first real combat last time that allowed us to really kind of see what it was. Uh, it was pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Talk about Eberext. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. So. I will say that as far as the being drunk and playing thing, um, if you've ever listened to Mammary Alpha, there are definitely episodes where one or more of us are very drunk and um, we've definitely uh, been able to play. So it's it's that easy. It really is that easy to keep up with. So <laughs> no no real math involved. I think that's the important aspect of that. Alan, yes.
1: new sales position. <laughs> A game... F- or drunks, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> Put it on the front. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: endorse
1: endorsed by Full Metal RPG and the imbibers here. Um, Tiny beer. So, uh, how are you finding Eberron uh, at this point, uh, Richard? Now, question: Did you purchase the Eberron book from Watsi?
0: I did not. Uh, I'm still looking for better cover. It's uh, a black cover, much better. Than-
1: Oh, no, it's a huge pain in the ass. It's like fucking 130 bucks for the good cover. Yeah, fuck that.
0: Yeah, well, I'm still... Looking so up. terrible. Yeah. Um, And we're kind of getting deeply into the kind of nuts and bolts of the way things... I'm going to probably have to do part of this. Uh, Eberron, we'll, uh, you know, we'll see if I can, I can really keep up.
1: I picked one up. Mm. So, okay, when we did our Tasha's episode... I bought Tasha's called her and Everything, and I bought Ravenloft at the same time. Because I was like, Ravenloft's out, and i got to cover this other book. wanted to see uh, Ravenloft I have a sense of morbid curiosity, and if you want to hear our uh, review on Tasha's, that is in the back catalog. Um, but what I found was is that Tasha's was quite good. And I was like, wow, if Tasha's is going to be this good, maybe I should check out this Ravenloft and give it more than just a flip-through. And it turns out Ravenloft is quite good. But then I was like, man, maybe I've been missing out on all these D&D books. And I should go back and see what people have been cooking up in D and D. So I went back and bought Eberron because I fucking love Eberron, and that book is a stinker. So if you want to borrow mine, Richard, it's no oh, problem. Okay, okay. I will not be using it anytime soon. <laughs> it Oh, yeah. uh, no, no, I I did not. I did not. So I just. Oh, <laughs> you
3: So I just Googled it, and there's the. It looked like the two covers were one looks like the general kind of either Pathfinder or d d cover art kind of thing. And the other one is like black and fancy looking and it's got like a ship on. It. Okay. Yeah. Art that deco one, it covers. looks, yeah, that one's pretty cool. That looks really yeah. cool. Yeah.
1: yeah, It's a great, it's like, it's probably the best cover that they've done with their mm-hmm. alternate cover thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Richard?
0: Oh, I think that the, that is one of the great ones. I think the, I really like the art deco covers um, they're uh, going to uh, I don't really like the new Ravenloft cover. The Ebron cover is and just happens to be it's really expensive right now. So I'm very sad. It looks like your Grand Ravenloft the one, the deco
1: out? one I don't special remember. cover. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I oh. lost your. Anyway, covers, covers, covers. Hmm. Uh, we're obsessed with it's just one.
1: Dude, I was so bummed on the Ravenloft alternate cover because I was actually going to pick it up. I was like, I was like, if I'm buying a D&D book, I might as well get the alternate cover one. And I was like, nah, fuck it. not even worth it. Not even fucking worth it, which was which was sad. And, I, and now I'm just kicking myself in the ass. Not picking up an Eberron one because it was sitting down at Game Depot for months. They just had them, and they're they're gone now. And now everybody wants lots of money for them. But I'm not, and I'm not doing that. But let me tell you, they take the entire series of Eberron books from 3.5, uh, which was very extensive because if if you played during 3.5, you know that they, I mean, they were really going at it. They were writing a lot of words, flesh out those campaign uh, settings, and. They squish it down to one book because they're they're on that whole we don't we're not doing more than one book per setting thing, and oh man, is it a fail? Uh, It just really turns out that you really kind of need more than one book to explain Eberron. Like there's kind of like too much going on. It feels it feels Gonzo in a not good way. It just feels like um, it feels like uh somebody who's having some kind of like manic episode. It just is. It's just like oh, there's dragon-marked houses, and then there's wars, and then there's psionics, and then there's dinosaurs, and you're just like, okay, okay, just fucking calm down. And the new art in it is garbage. They actually, like, sort of weirdly, weirdly, not weirdly, they kind of resurrected a bunch of the old Wayne Allen Reynolds um, art from the original 3.5 run of Eberron, and that's the best art in there because that guy really knew how to draw Eberron and make it look, make it feel kind of like how Eberron feels like the new art of the the new guys that are drawn for, for Eberron now. Oh my God. I'm just like, it's like, it's like painful. It just makes me not want to play Eberron. So I'm happy to lend you that book and you can just have it on your shelf for any little references that you need for the time being. Um, uh dude yeah if you can find a good price on the older books i would totally pick those up because those those feel much better you know i might pick up secrets of sarlona if i ever want to run eberron i'm gonna pick up secrets of sarlona because that that was a good book eberron's so great it really bothers me that, that, that that i feel like it's just gotten this short shrift with uh with uh uh 5.0 because fuck man it could be so fun. And the reason why I think it's so f- could be so fun is because I picked up Ravenloft and Ravenloft is bomb. Oh my god, have you guys had a chance? Does everybody here have a chance to pick one up? Yeah,
0: I've got it. I don't it's- have it. Uh yeah. I was going to read now that we're playing it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, there's certain parts that probably like I probably if you if you get into the domains and stuff, I would avoid those cuz they may come up. But um like uh, there's really great stuff for your characters in the front, and then uh, the stuff on the domains was awesome because unlike okay, a similar thing happened with Eberron as uh, Ravenloft in 3.5. They they sold Ravenloft to another company. They actually sold it to White Wolf weirdly, and so there was a little while when White Wolf was running the Ravenloft license and putting out 3.5 books under a label called Sword and Sorcery, and they yeah. they they put out a billion of them, and I had them all and they were in and, and kind of this is the sort of other edge of the argument that i'm making there's like too much information in them they they Ravenloft felt claustrophobic with all the shit that was going on in it like, like you just couldn't walk down the street without like trying like bumping into Strad or something so like i never ran it never even touched it I, I i owned everything i had a complete collection and i sold it all um New book breathes so well. Like it's, it's the perfect amount of draw maps, leave blank spaces. It's like, it'll be like, here's the domain. Here's a top down view of it. That's very broad. Here's the dread Lord and maybe one other character go nuts and just do what you want with the rest of it and so that's kind of what i'm doing for our game is i picked out a couple of the domains that i'm like super interested in and then i just kind of threw, threw together a little raven game we played on independence day with some other like old school people and it was awesome i had such a good time um i've uh really kind of felt like as my schedule has been opening up this year i've been kind of like Rekindling my love of role playing, and uh, I have a lot of energy for it. And now that I have a lot more time, I'm able to put a lot more work into actually writing my campaign, rather than um, kind of just like being tired and showing up on game day and like kind of writing some notes on a napkin before I start. You know, so um, you guys uh, were exploring. Uh, we, I decided to focus on uh, Mulo as the first uh, domain that we're doing. And uh, you guys were kind of exploring the city of uh And um, I decided to put a fucking big ghost ship in the harbor, like as a MacGuffin, right? And, and my whole thing, my whole thought was like, <laughs> I'm going to make this thing and describe it. And it's going to be so scary and ominous looking that they'll just leave it alone. And then I will be able to decide kind of what it is down the road a little bit <laughs> instead what happened was <laughs> uh i described it in such a way that was apparently intriguing enough that everybody went down there and was like what's this about and so we ended the session with richard throwing his grappling hook from his robe character up on onto the uh side of the ship and beginning to scale onto the vessel so i've been writing uh the inside of the ship like a dungeon uh i haven't written a dungeon in like fucking forever I'm having a blast i love i love that feeling of uh having like five or six D books and stacking them up and having like two open in front of you and going back and forth and being like all right well now we need a little trap and now we're gonna figure out the cr on an encounter and how many xp should this uh social interaction be worth it's actually really fun it's actually really fun so um having a great time with that also i am uh playing Shadowrun run with the dungeon punk guys. uh esoteric enterprises game uh season two ended and uh legendary mark boardman of the dungeon punks notorious shadow run gm is running for us and uh i'm having a great time with that because mark's style is just very like uh easy going and conversational um that has kind of uh brought up this um this, this, this apparently, apparently, I have this weird idea of like the quote unquote ethical shadow runner that apparently no one else was on board with. So, if you ever want to talk about like ethical shadow running and what it means and relating that to Shadow Run, uh, uh, first edition and second edition, please come on the Discord and have a conversation with us about it. We have already had a long conversation about it. Um, I personally have this idea that Shadowrun is supposed to be run this particular way, but it turns out that the idea that I have in my head is not what everybody else thinks when they sit down to run Shadowrun. I'm beginning to get the sense that that's more of a me thing and less of a everybody else thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really have problems with Shadowrun. I feel like that there's like the high fa- it's high fantasy and cyberpunk put together and it, it really, it, it, with the high fantasy instead of the low fantasy, it's lofty, you know, get power fantasy all the way so much like it, it, it blocks the way for the interesting, uh, climb to, uh, having, uh, ethical Shadowrun, as you, I, I know you call it, but we should talk about that. And
1: we could do a whole episode. We could yeah. do a whole episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I
3: need to play Shadowrun. I, I've i heard a lot about it, and I think that the fantasy aspect might draw me to the cyberpunk aspect a little bit more because cyberpunk's fine, but it's not my thing. Fantasy, I think, might... Like, the mishmash of the two might get me to it.
1: I think but. you definitely... What's wrong? What's wrong, Richard? Oh,
0: I, I think this is where I realized that my microphone this entire time, so I, my, my microphone will soon be... Comment track will cut off soon. <laughs> and I'm, I'm working on I'm working on re- Twitch... I'm currently trying to figure out what's going on mm. and solve the problem. I think I'm getting close to solving the problem. But, uh, I hope this was not really annoying to was listening to this, but I think uh, I think I fixed the problem here pretty soon. Bid you adieu. Uh, uh, that's uh, how about now? Probably. <laughs> Damn it! What's happening? Uh, yep.
3: Yeah, you're good.
0: So, apparently, apparently. Uh, it couldn't OBS was not getting my mic. So
1: What does that mean?
0: <laughs> it means that we may uh, we may not have um been getting a good recording, even on Twitch as the backup. Mm.
1: Okay.
0: So well, sad. So uh jump into topic and make yeah just we'll we'll yeah. we'll start a top right. we'll start on the topic and the it'll be the lost black hole uh that was a lot of fun Ah, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: oh well yeah all Hey, right. if you well, were here and you were listening on twitch well that's the problem right yeah we don't want to hurt me and ashley and daryl man
0: yeah that's <laughs> true that's true
1: Three out of four <laughs> ain't bad bro
0: yeah. <laughs> uh okay so let me yeah just We'll go to the topic and then I'll int- I'll sit, I- insert an intro and say, hey, there was a lost black hole. Uh, you know, we'll <laughs> do that later. Uh, all
1: right. Great. Well, <sighs> um, so welcome back. And I hope that you're enjoying the show. And if you're already with us, then I hope you're enjoying it now. And if you are just starting, well, then Richard probably explained it with a sort of disembodied head voice just a second ago. So uh, oh Richard Richard has a look like like he just swallowed a frog. Richard it's going to be okay man. It's
0: yeah, right. it's just, you know, it's one of those things ah. where I get disheartened in my technical abilities even though that's I pride myself on such things. Pride before the don't fall like, as it were.
1: Don't, <laughs> don't let it get you down, bro. Don't let it get you down. It's uh it's, it's all good, bro. It's all good. Um there's no there's no Christian Bale meltdown moment here. This is just, this is one of those <laughs> So uh, today uh, we've already been talking for like forty minutes about role-playing games. I think we had a lot of interesting insights. Hope you were here alive and you heard them. If uh, if you're just coming into the recording and you're like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Uh, the, wh- what about the black
0: hole? Well, um, I'll release the unedited the, version to the patrons, and they can enjoy uh, can, enjoy the mute sections where I'll. Uh, profusely say i'm sorry continuously anyway
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway over, that's, a, some, that's an incentive yeah. to defo's uh watch on twitch when it's live so mm-hmm. um yeah so so we do have an episode to do today we are we do have a topic that we want to talk about and this is kind of like a weird this is a weird one and uh honestly like all things in full metal rpg We're approaching this as a conversation, okay? This is a philosophical conversation. I'm hoping that through the process of dialogue, we can all work together to increase our own understanding, as that includes mine, of the um, RPG industry that we find ourselves, like, participating in and supporting, right? So uh, one of the things that I thought would be interesting to talk about is is, is how... is, Is, first of all, just, like, gatekeeping in the um RPG space. Like what is gatekeeping? What's it look like? What's it feel like? Um we've heard about gatekeeping a lot, right? The gatekeeping has become an issue. It's like um where people are people talk about these experiences that they have being made feel like they're not welcome or that they're not good enough in the RPG space. So so what is that? And then also kinda sort of towards the end, I think in the second half of the conversation, I'd kinda like to talk about like well, when is gatekeeping not gatekeeping? Like, uh, can gatekeeping, is that, a, is that a concept that can be weaponized to avoid criticism? All right? Because I think that there is room for, there's room, there's always got to be room for critique. But where where is the line between like expressing a grievance that may be unpopular um, and then somebody just being like, Shut up, you sit down. What's where, where's the where, and making you feel unwelcome? Where's the where's the line between these two things? So, um, does anybody here in our panel have they ever been gatekeeped on, gate kept? Has anything like that ever happened to you? Or, and if so, if you want to talk about it, what was it like and how did it make you feel? No, everybody's like, no, No.
3: I think if anyone were going to, it would probably be me because you hear a lot about the, you know, gatekeeping women from the TTRPG space. But um, like I said before, I just don't game with assholes. So I've had a pretty good experience, and I I cultivate and curate the experience that I want to have. And so I play with people that I know, that I like, and that aren't going to try and keep me out of the space. Solid.
1: Solid. Um, Anybody else?
2: I, was- oh, I mean, I've, I've seen instances at conventions, and it's, it's what made me really conscious of trying to eliminate that as much as I could with conventions that I was a part of uh, organizing, Um, that some GMs, especially in the convention setting, get so locked into a concept for their game that when people come to the table, they're hostile to any kind of alterations to characters or story or anything that might throw their perfect little short novella off the rails. Um, And we'll get into a little bit, but uh, character-based gatekeeping is a thing uh, that can turn people off. Mm.
1: So. Let's talk about that a little bit, because yeah. on some level, when I was kind of pitching the topic, I was imagining this is going to be kind of about identity politics, right? Like, I don't want to play with girls. I don't want to play with people with weird hair colors. I don't want to play with people who have different political opinions than me or something like that. Like, it's kind of stuff. Uh, what? What? But this is an interesting is an interesting nuance that you brought up, Daryl. Can you elaborate? So
2: the first time I went to a convention,
1: um, my sister, Dawn, taught
2: me a lot about uh, how to set up a convention game based on her experience doing it over the years uh, with um, all of her years and years in, in the role-playing industry. And uh, one thing that she told me was if I'm making pre-generated characters to make sure that I leave them gender-neutral, don't provide names, and don't provide descriptions because as somebody is approaching your table, one of the first things they're going to do generally is pick up your pre-gen characters and take a look through them. And if they don't see themselves in those character sheets, they're going to walk away and not feel welcome. So, um, I was actually in preparation for today's episode looking up some things and uh, D10 again uh, has a great uh, article called Decolonizing the Dungeon slash Gatekeeping where a player had an experience uh, he wanted to play a An elf character and he wanted to be a black elf character. And the GM said, No, that's a drow and we're not having drow in this game. And he says, No, I don't want to be a drow. I want to be an elf who is black. And that's a great example of gatekeeping that turned racist, quite frankly, is that you can't tell a player, No, you can't be the character that you want to be. How does that impact your story? And if it does impact your story, how can you modify your story? You know, it's little things like that. Or creating gendered characters. No, 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 no. This this adventure is set up for two female characters and four male characters, and that's it. And so, if you don't get that balance at the table, somebody's going to be forced to play a character they don't like, and if that's a part of your story, maybe you need to examine what your story is and why that's a part of it. So, well, even through character sheets and pregens can be a challenge, too.
1: What, what about uh, in, um... And I could be mistaking some of the details of this. I wasn't there. But, but, uh... Our friend, uh, friend of the show, Sarah Doombringer, was running some Lamentations of the Flame Princess. This is before that became completely like abhorrent. And she had a uh, she had a uh, Kill Bill style um, like uh, uh, adventure that was like the the Revenge of the Brides, right? And it required that the characters be female, they have to be right. brides, right? What do you think of that?
2: Well, so. If your story is set up that way and you're pitching the story that way, if you have everybody... Because I was going to run a a pulp game uh, uh, in the Dirty World system that was the same thing. It was supposed to be femme fatale characters across the board. Um, Your players have to buy into that, and depending on whether this is a group of friends at the table at your house, that everybody can agree to that, or whether this is a convention. Because when we talk about gatekeeping... It's important to be aware of your friends at your, your local home table, but it really, to me, the areas where you're going to run into it more and where it's going to be a lot more problematic are going to be at your game store, at your conventions, um, where you're going to be playing with strangers. Like, like Ashley's point earlier, we don't play with assholes. We just we don't have those people at our table because you can police your own table. But the areas you can't police your table are going to be uh, game store open things like Adventurers League type stuff. Uh, or Pathfinder Society-type stuff, or when you're just kind of running generally in open convention spaces. So, yes, you can pitch a game that says, you know, everybody's going to be this, and if your story depends on that, that's wonderful. But if somebody at the table walks up and says, you know, I love this femme fatale game, I love this idea of being one of these brides, but I would like to play a male version of that, well, what does it how does How does that really change your story, um, and especially if somebody walks up and says, I want a different skin color or I want a different ethnicity or I want a different um, gender presentation, you know, if it doesn't impact your story, why would you put your foot down and say, nope, you have to play this or or nothing? It's nerf or n- you know,
1: honestly, man, like when I heard, hear that story of that dude who's like sitting on his like grognard throne, like essentially like issuing forth proclamations that drow are black people like that dude should have gotten fucking cold cocked just for that. Like seriously, that dude should have gotten fucking frog walked out of the goddamn convention center just for that. Like I'm, I'm livid. I don't even know when this happened and I'm like livid for something that didn't happen to me. Like at some indeterminate period in the past, uh, that shit just, that shit just will not fly. And I think that you have to make a strong point about, um, Gatekeeping isn't so much about the private table, although I guess it could be, uh, but it's definitely about the public space. I My personal interaction with gatekeeping, I can't... Look, man, I'm a cishet white dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I rock up into the game store. No one gives me any grief. Um, it's The game store is a kind of safe space for people like me. I think that there's a lot of people like me who... Like to talk shit on safe spaces because we have so many of them and we think that they don't exist. We think that we don't need them. Uh, so I've never had anybody, I mean, I'm trying to think of people who maybe I've had some vampire dudes try and flex on me like, oh, are you vampire enough? Are you cool enough? And I'm always just like, pshaw, whatever. I don't really I don't let that kind of stuff ruffle my feathers. Um, but by, I have noticed in my personal experience uh, a lot of gatekeeping and this kind of new realm. Of a miniatures game a miniatures group called old hammer okay which is like these dudes that gather to play old editions of Warhammer and they insist on playing with the old models like it's not just about playing with the old rules they'll sit there and tell you all day and all night how the old rules are better but you also have to play with the old models and the old models are insanely expensive and this, and this group of old hammer players has, by like by fetishizing these old models, like jacked the price of them up like insanely. So to me, this entire old hammer community has this very kind of um, a to play, gatekeeper feel to it that I fucking hate because I am all about like, let's get people into gaming. Let's get people in accessibility, accessibility, accessibility. And then these guys are all like each one of these little metal men is like $25 from England. If you can find him and you're going to need 50 of them to play the game. And I'm just like, (laughs) what if I have other models? What if there are other models? And there, and, 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 and and what's funny, right. Is that they all have this kind of attitude about like, Oh, the old models have so much more character and they're just from this different era that has so much more character. And I'm like, well, there's new guys who are sculpting in those styles and then have that kind of character, and then they always are like, oh, no, no, they don't. They're, they're so different in this, like, itty-bitty, nuanced kind of way. <laughs> uh, I'll only buy, like, fucking Tim Prowl Heartbreaker models from 1984. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like... Uh, and that kind of... Um, it's almost kind of like classic car guy or something, you know? This whole sort of, mm-hmm. like if you're going to come and hang with us, then you got to show that you got that cheddar. Fucking hate it.
3: Like they don't make them like they used to kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. honestly, Mm -hmm. even if I had those, that's the type of person I wouldn't want to play with. Like, can you imagine just how insufferable it would be to be at a table with someone like that? Like, even if you got through the door, (laughs) like, <laughs> I can. <laughs> <As it turns laughs> yeah, <'cause> I can. <laughs> I can.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> that's not someone I would want to play with at all. And to your point about the like game store being a safe space for you, um, that made me think. I don't know that I would walk into a game store and join a random table. Like I don't know that I would feel comfortable doing that at all. Even having never really been gate kept or anything like that, because of the fact that I play at home with people that I know. Um, I don't. I don't know that I would go into a game store and be like, yes, I would like to play whatever, Warhammer. Oh, my God. I can't imagine walking up to a table of a bunch of dudes and being like, yes, I'd like to play Warhammer with you, please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can we play Warhammer like, today? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, let me ask you this. Uh, because, again, the game stores are incredibly friendly to people like me, and and some of to people who look like me. I have long, long hair. If you're not watching this, if you're listening, I have long hair. I have a beard that is like speckled with gray i mean like you can just throw a rock in a game store and hit someone who looks like me and so i don't don't ever feel weird or out of place in a game store now even if you wouldn't necessarily um rock up to a table and ask to join an open play game what's your feeling on discussing role-playing like in and amongst the stacks with your fellow consumers, because I, I don't feel like this happens quite as much anymore. But back in the day, there was like a lot of you show up to the game store and flipping through a book, and someone goes, "Oh, hey, do you like X? I also like X," and then you start talking. Right? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Like, do you, is that something that's ever happened to you at a game store? Has anyone ever tried to? Have you ever had that like uh, sports guy or music guy moment where somebody goes? See so you're looking at a and d book, but do you know how many hit dice a Beholder has to try and, <laughs> right. s- to try and yeah. suss you out? Has that ever happened?
3: Not in a game store, but that's actually happened. Um, I was at a work party, and one of my uh coworkers' kids plays D&D. And so he came up to me, and he was just like, so here you play D&D. I was like, yeah. And he just started, like, grilling me. So <laughs> it's yes. one of those things where, I mean... He was, he was in child? his twenties. Like he wasn't a teenager. Oh, okay. he was, like in his
1: twenties.
3: <laughs> so that type of thing has happened to me, where when people find out I play uh, like RPGs, they they want to know how much I know, and it's almost like there's a quiz on whether or not I know enough to actually have a conversation about it. So that's definitely happened, and I don't. That might happen to other people too. It might not just be because I'm a girl. You know, like, that might happen to other people, too, I'm not sure. But I have definitely had that. Um, Never in the game store, because when I go to the game store, I'm usually very focused on things. And uh, for as friendly as I am, when I'm out and about, people don't come up and talk to me, for the most part. So
1: yeah i mean i feel like the the art of like just conversation with randos in the game store is sort of Mm -hmm. lost and 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 there's something that's good about that because i couldn't tell you how many times i used to bitch about like having some like not good smelling person come up to me and like Mm want to tell me about their character you know that was like the classic thing is Mm -hmm. let me tell you about my character and so that's gone thank god Also, this other thing that I actually find myself really missing is gone, where um, just kind of the cross-pollination of new ideas. You know, you like, uh, uh, it used to be, especially in the, this is very indicative of, I think, the um, White Wolf community, and Daryl, please feel free to either back me up here or tell me I'm wrong, but I feel like White Wolf people used to seek each other out of the game store and talk about the game a lot. That used to be a thing that we did. And now that White Wolf's not in stores, it just doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? What, what do you think?
2: And, you know, I totally concur on that, that you know, the lack of physical presence in stores has really been unfortunate. However, on the flip side, one of the earliest reasons that I germinated the Monster Monday idea was to find other players who were interested in horror games and to show that it was still present and out there and doing it. This is, you know, I was still swinging Fronix Path real hard and uh, printed out a giant poster-sized World of Darkness character sheet and kept that on the table as like it was a poster next to the table so that people could see it and walk up and be like what is this and that was the whole idea i did it was to draw people in and have those conversations um on bringing it back to the subject of gatekeeping one of the things i did encounter early on and uh, this is actually one of the first times you and i ran into each other um there was a panel I don't remember what panel it was i think it was the, the art i think it was ben mandal's art of the table panel um but I had a lot of people approaching me and asking me about World of Darkness stuff and throwing lore at me.
1: Oh,
0: and
2: ah, lore. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about the, the yes. latest editions. Let's talk about the many thousands of books you need to read to understand the full World of Darkness. And that was the day I decided that it was going to be New World of Darkness, which is now Chronicles <laughs> of Darkness for me. Because I was like, you know what? I don't need any of it. I want to tell my own story. Thank you. I love it. but Was I was one of them? Did I come no, up no, no. with on you? You were asking about lore, um, and I was just, like, smiling and nodding, but you were not one of the ones that was pushing it on me because there were some people like, well, if you're not going to include Gehenna, if you're not going to include, like, the race towards... Um, uh, the, if you're not going to... Yeah, all of the various splats um, end games that were pre-written into the World of Darkness systems, then what are you even doing? And it's like, telling my own stories, thank you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and... I, still to this day you know everybody who sits at my table for uh, even a chronicles of darkness game starts talking about the lore and i'm like you know what i love it but let's talk about your characters let's talk about our story um so that get that aspect of the gatekeeping um i don't i don't think it's a bad thing that we don't have that lore test going into world of darkness specifically you know
1: oh so. yeah oh and truly right because that oh man that used to be some real fucking like bull macho shit when people be like oh you know do, uh, trying to almost like like wrestlers or something like trying to flex on each other about like who knows more about the black hand or this other shit uh, and, I, and I still feel like the white wolf onyx path stuff is kind of like that I still get those vibes off that community I don't love it I mean I I what, what I'm really kind of taking from all this is that, especially in our group, we're just not dealing with this this problem that five years ago would have been like a hot-button issue on this show. Like, if five years ago it was me, Ben, and Adam talking about gatekeeping, we'd be like sitting here rattling off all the fucking knobheads that we had either encountered at a game store or uh, had seen at a con or had heard about from somebody else. And um, what I love is being kind of i'm hearing from you maybe it's just confirmation bias of the kind of people that i surround myself with but i choose to take it as that over the last five years the rpg scene has made incredible progress and the fact that like we have people who are essentially the vanguards of role-playing we've got ashley who's doing role-playing podcasts and streaming we have got daryl who's in the stores trying to bring people into games that aren't necessarily represented we've got richard who does cons and he makes sure from that high level uh bird's eye view at the con what the code of conduct is going to be like right um that we're that we are doing what we as a group always said that we were going to set out to do which was change the way the role-playing community functions right so this is all very heartening this is all very heartening um What what about when... um, Before we move on really quick, I do want to say that I want to
3: make very clear that just because we are not experiencing this doesn't mean it's not still a problem.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I certainly wouldn't want to imply that. Yeah. I'm I'm just happy that that progress is being made. You know what Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, because... Again, it's the sort of like the position that I start from, which is when I was first trundling into fucking game stores and I was just like a little guy with a backpack and some beat up your back books, right? Mm-hmm. The world of role-playing was very different. It was just like, it was like conservative old guys and gatekeeping was almost like the order of the day. Like if we want to talk about gatekeeping and quizzes, mm-hmm. the way I got into role-playing was I had a guy quiz me as to whether I was going to be allowed to join the local group. You know what I'm saying? And I and I and I defeated the quiz. I like I beat I I, I beat the riddle master at the quiz, the Sphinx <laughs> or whatever. And I got to join my high school gaming group, and that's how like this happened. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, that's how I kind of like met Ben Bailey and shit like that, um, through those experiences. And uh, it just seemed like that was the way the world was always going to be. And if you had even told me even in like 2001, 2007, in 2021. The RPG gaming community would be where it is now. I'd say that's science fiction. That doesn't sound even like that. Doesn't sound even remotely real. So clearly, there are material problems that real people are still dealing with in the RPG community today. And I would never want to diminish any of that. But, uh, all that having been said, is I am very proud that not just the four of us, that um, the uh, what I what I'm going to kind of go out on a limb here and call like the left the left-leaning rpg community has been cleaning up the space and has been changing the direction of the space
0: it it has i have had an instance where there was somebody that has basically pushed us out of a space because of our opinion of a certain thing but i really think that that they were wrong, so I don't really care. But
1: uh, <laughs> well, I mean, was it was it over an opinion or was it over drama? It was. We well, to, yeah, that's we true. Have, that's we're, true. We're going to get into this in just a second here, which is what's the difference between gatekeeping and then just gamer drama? So go ahead. Right.
0: Well, I just wanted, and and good fork is is in here helping me with on the Twitch chat, realizing that I've screwed up but he's like what's the line between gatekeeping and critique like a critique we do reviews right we don't we don't always do reviews but we do like the deep dives are kind of reviews of things and like there can be perceived when you do a review of an object of a, of an object a, a book or whatever it can be perceived by certain quarters as if you review something negatively as an attack upon, the designer as as something because that designer may not be uh you know the same you know as the same as traditional designers are. So like I think that's where you're you're headed with this. And I I really feel like the line is you have to kind of put up front that this is a critique of the product. I am not saying anything about the person unless that person is professing Personally, or even through their literature, they're professing a, a, a political view. That's where we would get into trouble, I think. Is if they were professing a political view that was of uh, a dubious nature, that's when we would start maybe be being perceived as uh, you know crossing the line between critique and gatekeeping, is saying that these uh, th- their opinion is wrong and they're they're not wanted it here anymore.
1: Kind well, of, I mean, and this this kind of goes back to essentially our very hard line against against rightists on this show, and I'm you know I'm sure we have a very you know outspoken person on the internet who likes to take issue with what it is that we say on this show, and I'm sure that they are like at their keyboard right now with like rivulets of sweat running <laughs> down their face as they as they madly type incoherent screeds about how about how. How can we talk about gatekeeping when we are the number one gatekeepers? We gatekeep the fuck out of all the fucking libertarians and the rightists and the fucking like hate people and like like doesn't if doesn't gatekeeping mean that there should be a completely level playing field for every single idea and every single conversation? There should be no holes barred. It should just be like should just be like everybody can talk about everything all the time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, well, how do you respond to that? If
3: I looked at a Pie chart, I'm sorry, if I looked at a pie chart of all of the people that have tables they can play at and places they can go and feel safe playing and all of that, um, you got a big chunk out there. So you don't. I don't have to sit and listen to this, you know, with them at, at my table. I don't want to play with someone who thinks Nazis are the good guys. You know, like, that's just not <laughs> fun for me. That's not something I want. Also, I do want to say um, Good Fork is actually a Cynthia that was on the gender episode. Oh, OK. So well, thank that's, you very much. That's Cynthia. What up,
1: what up <laughs> yeah. Good Fork? Yes. Welcome. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Thank you.
0: Um, but yeah, I think that the the um, that. Uh, hopefully that they, this has re-energized their work because it's been pretty lame lately. So anyways. Uh,
1: <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh,
0: terrible. Terrible. About, anyway. Yeah, one
2: star. Um, yeah, one star. Um, talking about uh, critique versus uh, gatekeeping, I think it goes to a basic communication skill where in many of the communities I'm a part of, we've got, you know, don't yuck somebody else's yum, um, be careful what you say and in teaching it's uh the praise challenge praise tool that you know when we're talking about eberron earlier you don't like it that's absolutely cool when we share those statements we can say i don't like this and that is an absolutely valid statement to say i don't like this i don't like nazis at my table valid statement I don't like the Eberron book, the, the new the new book and the way it's laid out. Fantastic. That's an opinion that you're sharing from yourself. It changes when you say, you shouldn't like this. Or when you say, this book is garbage objectively. Because you're trying to spread that opinion out over a larger area and say, if you like this thing, then you should feel bad. There are instances where we all have our own personal uh, lines. Um, and it's okay to hold those lines. But when it comes to like the Eberron book... Essentially, it's neutral and harmless, if that was somebody's first book and their first introduction into the universe, fantastic, wonderful, they might love it. I loved the uh, Advanced D&D Monster Manual. If I went back and looked at it today, it probably doesn't hold a candle to anything that I would want to play with. But that doesn't make it bad, Um, and I can say I don't like it. I don't like original D&D because how complicated it was, but it was somebody's jam, and obviously a lot of people's jam because it was so popular. So when we, yeah. when we communicate these things, say, I don't like it, but to say you shouldn't like it, that's that's kind of where we need to.
1: Right. But and that's fine when you're talking about Star Wars or Star Trek or something. But like when you're talking about people, right. And And because you know, I've been very vociferous on this show, very vociferous about about people who I don't think should be in the community, you know, like I think, you know, here's here's this is. These are the statements of Brendan, not of the show. Uh, I think that uh, we should be going to fucking gaming cons, and when we see people who are making, like, right-wing behaviors or wearing right-wing symbols or attempting to fucking incept their bullshit into our spaces rather than letting those cancers metastasize and doing what happens say in the metal scene where now like there's huge problems in the metal scene between differentiating well, like well are all these guys racist or just some of these guys racist is it like 50% plus one of them are racist like, like we need to just get them out we need to run these guys out on a rail so if you're at fucking gen con and you're seeing people walking around with their like operation werewolf t-shirts or something you should be like hey uh me and my friends don't like seeing you around here. If we see you here again tomorrow, there'll be a fucking problem. You know what I'm saying? Because because it but when a fly lands on a fucking piece of shit and then it lands on your Sunday, there's no amount of ice cream you can pull up pour on top to make that Sunday edible. You know what I'm saying? Like it's over. So get rid of the flies. You know? So so I am on some level a hardcore fucking gatekeeper because I am saying if you represent certain things, not only do I not want to see you at my table, I don't want to see you at my store, I don't want to see you at my con, I don't want to see you at all. You know what I'm saying? What do you guys have to say to that?
0: That That's, I mean, it's when, and I think, yes, I think you're you're right, but also there is this, like going back to reviews, like a lot of products are, the designer too, right? So if I say, I don't like Eberron, right? And Eberron was written by one person, right? That tends to be, uh, there's a communities of people that will reflect that as you are attacking that one person. And it, a lot of indie space stuff, especially like, cause it's one person that wrote it, right? Guess Harry and in the indie space, man, we'll kind of throw up on that in a minute. Go ahead. Uh, and so, um, there is a culture of, if you're saying a bad thing about a product and a critique and a review of a product negatively, that you are you are not just saying not just because that you're basically saying that this ice cream Sunday, you know, they're they're seeing that fly ice cream Sunday thing happen on the in this review, where you're just saying, oh no, I just didn't like this book, like I just didn't like it, but there are people that. You, also do the same thing, but they will also attack the person. So it's like there's there's this like uh, uh, it's hard to uh, qualify that like statement of I don't like this and I'm not, but you have to then say I'm not attacking somebody because that that person is controversial as well, right? That that you're reviewing a product and then. I'm I'm not saying that I don't like that person, but you're saying you don't like that person. So like that, I think that's the, there's a, there's that line that we're trying to find here <laughs> mm-hmm. between, you know, perceived gatekeeping and a critique of an object uh, of, of an object.
3: I think that a big part of that too, I'm sorry. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Is, uh, I mean, in the rule of like in the comedic world, you don't punch down. You know, so when you're saying I don't want you at my table, it's because the other people at these table, you don't think they should exist when that is a line like, yes, I don't want you at my table because of that. Um, when it comes to critiquing versus gate- gatekeeping and where that line is, like Daryl was saying, focus on the, the thing, focus on the book. If you then go to um, she's only getting this book written because she's cute or because she shows her boob on stream or something like that, you know. That is when you're getting into problematic territory. If you're critiquing something, a book, focus on the thing. Focus on that book. Focus on whatever it is that you're critiquing. It's when you start attacking the person. And I'm not talking about keeping right-wingers and Nazis out of my space. I'm talking about when it becomes critiquing versus gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. Um, Keep it off of that person. Just keep it on the thing that you're talking about. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and this actually kind of goes into... One of my original sort of thought palaces or whatever, and why I wanted to have this episode. And it's, uh, and, and, and I'm gonna try and say this without coming across like the most problematic person ever, right? Like, and lose every any credit I have, like any receipts I have for like doing like a progressive podcast, uh, just with one, one take, right? Um, so, so, so there's gonna be some nuance to this, and I came up with this, when I came up with this, uh, the concept of this episode it was because I was, I had this very particular experience, okay, and what had happened was, is uh, like a year ago, there was a ton of RPG press, which is nothing, it's inconsequential, and we can't, don't want to overstate its value, okay, but there was a bunch of RPG press on an indie developer, okay, and I won't name the indie developer, because I don't want to make it about that, but this indie developer, I will say, was female, and was POC, okay? And everybody was expressing... Well, I shouldn't say everybody. The news news sources that I was seeing were writing very flattering, kind of what could sort of pejoratively call puff pieces on this person, right? There were a lot of... I didn't feel like that they were super substantive. They just seemed kind of like... So they, were, they were very kind of uh, uh, ephemeral, very positive pieces about just this person existing right and she was a game developer she still is she has some games out and she was getting all this publicity for like like this kind of like next level game design so for this reason she was kind of on my radar because i wanted to know why does everybody think these games are so good like i haven't played any of them to honestly they don't sound that great to me um so then that was just like a little thing that was living in my head it wasn't even that big of a deal i was like whatever and I actually was interacting with a member of the FMRPG cult and they were talking to me and they brought this particular developer up they were like oh there's this new project coming out it has so many great devs on it like it's got this person and this person and then they named the person who had been getting all these pieces on as an amazing dev and I was like oh are you a fan of X dev and they said oh yeah they do amazing work and I said please educate me on these amazing games because i hear all about this person but i don't know about their games and i want to understand and they said oh i don't haven't played any of their games (laughs) and i was like what do you mean you know he goes oh i've just read a bunch of pieces say that this person is amazing so i figured that they were amazing and i was like i was like i don't like that at all this is just a This is just, this just feels kind of a lot like a a perpetual motion machine where people are, where this person's just getting a lot of good pub and because people uh, are thinking, oh, I need to write a good, this person's getting attention over here and they're getting attention over here. We should do our piece where we give them attention, right? And I'm kind of like, does anybody know the games? Does anybody play the games? Or is this all just vaporware? Is this all just like a cult of opinion that has been created about a person and if i say then if i go on my podcast and i say no one's playing these games how do we know that they're any good then i come off like a really problematic individual you know what i'm saying and they immediately go you fucking gatekeeper you're one of those cis het dudes that doesn't fucking like female and poc developers and i'm like no, that ain't me, bro. I've, I feel like I've been very supportive of of female developers and uh, POC developers. But at what point am I allowed to be like, if you want to be considered amazing, you need to show up with some good games. Just discuss. Let me figure out my own thoughts on this because I have contradictory thoughts.
3: Which is amazing because you're a human and you can hold thoughts that are in opposition to each other at the same time because you're complex like that. Um, Dissonance. Yes, I think that... Uh, it's important to evaluate why you're having the thoughts you are if you're going into critiquing something like this. So, uh, for example, if it was a cis white dude, same thing, would you have the same thoughts?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, yes. I, 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 Clearly, would hope. Yes. I would hope I would, so.
3: <laughs> exactly. So at that point, I think it is a valid critique. You're critiquing, again, the fact that everyone is kind of saying that this is an amazing game developer, regardless of anything about the actual person, just what they actually create, and no one's actually seen any of the creations, I think that's a valid critique. Um, Again, going back to what I was saying before, if you brought her into it, and you were talking about her, and that the only reason people are talking about her is because of these personal things about her, that would be a problem. So I don't think that critiquing an actual thing or product that's out there As long as you're not bringing personal shit into it, I don't see how that's a problem. Um, As far as this kind of wheel of everyone saying good things about her in her development of games, uh, we see that in the media all the time, but on the negative of that, people are just like, oh, I don't like that because Fox News told me not to like that or MSNBC told me not to like that or whatever. So you see that side of it too. It's like it makes sense that there would be both sides as people just take the media in and they're like, this is what they're telling me to like or not like. And so therefore I'm going to do it without actually looking into it and doing it on their own. So that's a whole separate issue that plays into this too, I think.
2: And to piggyback off that, um, there's a right way to support people. And and I'm going to gatekeeper this. Um, there's a right way to support people and there's a wrong way to support people. To support someone by saying, hey, go play this game. It's awesome without having played it yourself. Um, it's awesome to raise somebody up But you're not really doing them any favors because eventually people are going to play the games and they're going to Form opinions of their own and if we've done nothing but raise a person up without actually Trying their product then we've got this there's a problem with it in the art community too where I disagree with a lot of art valuations, but that's a community issue so instead if there is and I I will do this as often as I can if there's a Minority game developer who is developing some awesome game and I'm getting some some buzz about it, the best way that I can support that person is to pick up the game, read it, and run it. Take it out to a convention, run it for my home group. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend a Maserati to somebody because I've never driven one. They're status symbols, they're awesome, but I've never actually been behind the wheel, so I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, whereas, you know, I can tell you that a Ford Focus is not a good car, and I can tell you that a Nissan Pathfinder is an awesome vehicle because I have test-driven them. <laughs> So in the instance where, where we're trying to raise people up, uh, it's not gatekeeping to say, hey, you know, have you played it? No. Hey, let's try it out before we form an opinion on it. That's, that's the right way to support people. And if it's not good, critiquing it is fair. Um, and especially, um, I, wa- I want to make this point really clear. Email the developer. Send some feedback directly to the person who wrote it. Don't talk about it in forums where there's a chance they won't see it. A lot of indie developers are, you know, just learning, and it may be their first book. You know, they they could be an awesome writer who just needs a little bit of feedback to push them forward. Email those people directly if you can find contact information uh, to to say, you know, praise, challenge, praise. Hey, I really like this about your system. Here's some things I think could be improved. If you, and ask if they're interested in feedback before you do that. You know, uh, don't just offer. <laughs> hey, I think I could do it better than you. Um, but critiquing a thing to make it better is a fantastic idea. Critiquing a thing just to crap on it and get it out of people's minds is where it becomes problematic.
1: I I think that you're uh drawing the parallel to the art world is really on point, Daryl, because um art, like visual arts and then writing, these are both art, artistic endeavors, they're both subjective, right? right? And they we you know we live in this like capitalist society where you gotta earn your bread or whatever. And sometimes the difference between a piece of art that sells and a piece of art that doesn't isn't the piece. It's the story behind the creator. And, like, I mean, you could do, like, this is, this is, like, you could do a whole fucking thing about, like, Andy Warhol, right? And how much the boomers, like, love, like, Andy Warhol, right? And you're just like, fuck, but was that guy a good artist, right? I mean, he certainly had a great story, and he certainly had a great, like, uh, uh, ability to interact with people and to sell and he certainly was great at creating his own legend was he really a great artist right and then the, and then of course you could there's people who have written whole books about this debating this i'm not trying to settle it here on Little RPG you know what i'm saying but i think that probably what i was reacting to was that same thing was that kind of like like okay now let's all slow our roll like let's stop anointing the second coming on essentially a cult of personality. Like, a person who is very good at working pub is one thing, and I will totally, and, and to this developer, I doff my my uh, Blackcraft hat or whatever the fuck I'm wearing right now. Uh, working the pub was some serious A-game. this day, I still haven't seen one of these games. Um, maybe I'll pick one up. I don't know. I, I'm kind of on this phase now where I'm, like, not really buying anything unless I'm, like, definitely going to run it. So I I have this suspicion that, like, um, my life will end, and I'll never have sat down at a table and actually tried one of these allegedly amazing games. But much like in the art world, this idea of opportunity shows up, right? And I think the, I think the thing that to address what you said, Ashley, the thing that kind of stuck in my craw about the whole situation was I found out that this um, this indie developer had essentially gotten some pretty choice gigs on some very high level projects. Right. I and I was like, Yo, this is cause of the pub. This ain't cause of the games. Like no one I know. I mean, and, and it's not like it's not like a game. If I don't know someone who's played that game, the game doesn't exist. Right. I'm like. I feel like I'm pretty wired into stuff. And I'm like, is anyone playing these games or are people just reading like lots of mm-hmm. uh, clickable fucking Facebook posts? Because you see what I'm saying? that, and, and Yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. These games could also just be
3: in, I mean, like you said, it's not that I've never heard this. I don't know anyone who's played it. Therefore it doesn't exist. Like, I know you don't have that view, but, um, it may be in a demographic that is like a new popping up one or something that is not one that you're really keyed into. So these might be games that, was- that people play and they enjoy, and it might not be your thing. But um, maybe people are really enjoying it, and I get where you're coming from. where critiquing a demographic of people that you generally are seen that's generally seen as like protected or as we want to lift these people up and have their voices heard instead of ours. It, it can be sensitive. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's hard to do that without coming across as holding them down because of who they are as people. But I think that a lot of that comes from they're on the defensive. We're on the defensive. Like I'm going to throw me in there because women, but uh, if something comes up negative at all, immediately hackles are up, but it's because you're constantly on the defensive against people that are attacking you as a person. So even if there's a valid criticism that's coming through, um, it's 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 going to be met with like a, hold on. And then if you can emotionally take that down enough to hear the criticism for what it is, then yes, criticism is good. Like Daryl said, if it's to make it better, then awesome. But when there is a person who is constantly attacked because of who they are instead of what they're doing, even if you have some constructive criticism about what they're doing, it's going to be met with resistance a lot of the time. And that's just an emotional response to that. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. And, um... I'm really glad that I didn't just fucking do an episode while I was all like hot under the collar about it, you know? Yeah. Because, um, you know, it's been like a year or more and like, whatever, uh, the pub has died down. I hope that this person is off doing good stuff. And the thing is, is I really do hope that the games are good. I don't want people out there making bad games, you know, and I want people making lots of games that are, that appeal to a lot of different people, you know? Um, and, and again, like the like, it's almost kind of like what you were saying. If I can interpret a little bit, it's like if I if I had come on Full Metal RPG and been all like fucking full of piss and vinegar, the optics would have been real bad. It would have been like, look at this guy, look at this fucking knuckle dragger, fucking throwing punches. And it's just kind of like, you know what? I'm glad I didn't do it. This person shall still remain unnamed by even by the end of this podcast. And i'm just really glad that i didn't fucking start something that you know didn't need to be started at the end of the day so how do you guys all feel about this conversation are there any points anybody wants to make before we kind of wrap things up we're getting a little long on the tooth here
2: one thing i want to go back to really quick you were talking about the hammer community and i want to make sure that we draw a line gatekeeping is when i walk into a store and people are telling me your shit isn't welcome here in the Something like Old Hammer or when I walk into a store and I say, you know, I love horror role playing and horror role playing is definitely where it's at. Um, As long as I'm doing that at my table, that's okay. If I'm trying to take over the whole store with it, that's not okay. And I've run into that before with the Miniatures Community when I was repping for uh, Weird Games and doing Malifaux where they literally told me if it's not Warhammer you can't play it here. And it's like, okay. So I played at stores that let me play the games that I wanted to play and they got my business. Um, like customers or like the uh, it was the, the owner staff.
1: staff staff
2: yeah so problematic store I won't be returning to anytime soon uh, <laughs> but it, and it was a couple of different stores that did that to me so I just want to make sure that we, we point out that if you got a specific interest and you and your friends are into it if you're into World War 2 bolt action style games that's awesome um, you're playing them fantastic when you tell me I can't play my game that's where it becomes a problem so enjoy your little niche thing awesome is don't tell other people what to play.
1: Richard, any closing thoughts, my friend?
0: Uh, no, I think I think uh, uh, S- Cynthia here, and I have been watching her uh, chat up on in in Twitch. But she, you know, we we eventually get around to her very good point. Uh, just know where you know. Uh, I think that we have to, as people that review things, uh, be willing to you know, have the double edge of, of, uh, of free speech come back on us. Like it's not that we should be critiquing the product, just the product, not the person, unless the person is specifically doing some very harmful shit. Uh, you know, uh, just thinking back to the Zach S, uh, intervention that we did, uh, a couple years ago. Um, and, um, it's um, it's about trying to uh, look at games what you like and sharing what you like and not about uh, you know reviewing getting you know saying somebody's getting you know it doesn't matter you know press yeah as we are somewhat the press we are we we have our opinions we put them out there and it could have been very easy for us to. Uh, ride the same wave of, of trend. Like we could have done this episode just like that on the on the same games, and, and we like to lift up people that are uh you know of all you know that don't have their voices heard very often. We could have very well gone on on that or any other trend. We can jump on that trend, but we have to be true to ourselves and we have to say what we like in games and not necessarily tie it to uh, a trend or what a person is perceived. Uh, you know, they're, they're games that we liked. And, you know, if we don't like the person we say we don't like, you know, for reason for real reasons and not uh, because we don't want them to be heard. So.
1: Well, I, I think you make a really strong point here, uh, Richard. And on some level, you could even posit that there was a trend uh, that we could have embraced of being toxic assholes who deliberately market ourselves towards toxic gatekeepers. I'm certain that there's such podcasts out there. I'm certain that we could have. Um, I, th- I mean, there there would no doubt be, like, numbers. There would no doubt be metrics in that if, mm-hmm. we, had, oh, absolutely. if we had decided that that's who we want to be. And um, uh, I'm glad that we're not, honestly, right. because like that. That's the worst. And uh, I think that we have, like, a long legacy here of pushing in the other direction. So, um, and I'm, and I'm much happier, much happier to have that, uh, fucking on our receipts than, than the other thing. So, all right. Well, Hey, it's always a pleasure, uh, meeting up with you all and having a talk, Ashley, Daryl, Richard. Thanks so much for coming out. All of our listeners. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to this live, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you, uh, Cynthia for your, uh, feedback on the Twitch. Um, and for keeping the conversation spicy. We do appreciate it. Uh, And uh, just one more episode, this clown coming up, and then it's uh, on to Ashley, Richard, and Daryl. You guys are going to drop me off at the island and keep the Viking River boat going. Uh, I'll still be doing a podcast called Realm of Fire. It's about Warhammer, and uh, you'll be able to hear all my dumb, bombastic, uh, anti-rightist takes, but with Warhammer... Instead, so if that sounds like it's good for you, then there's uh we have a uh we have a subscription feed on iTunes. You can find us real easy. Please subscribe. We can find us on Spotify. Please subscribe. That's Realm of Fire, all caps exclamation point. Uh, Richard, I feel like there's an announcement coming from you.
0: Well, uh, there is a couple things. I got my official. Uh, my my new T-shirt. I got my new T-shirt in with my fa- uh. with my favorite. This is my favorite uh, uh, reviews of all time on the back here. Uh. And then we're announcing, uh, and I'll show you guys after this. I'm going to show you the new next T-shirt and the new logo for season oh, three. Oh wow! So nice. I'm going to transition to that. And I'll show you guys here after the show because I know you can't see it. But I'm going sure, yeah. to talk. I'm going to describe it. Uh, we got uh is we got, it up now now' I'm, I'm showing it now uh I love it yes thank you I you'll, love it you'll, it's amazing. you'll be, uh uh basically we got uh Wolfmungus to do uh an amazing piece that is kind of a uh, a cross between uh Mad Max it's very it's actually very Shadowrun run because it's an orc shooting zombies on top of a cop car while the world is ending with uh, meteorites coming in the background, and we have a new uh, Chrome logo with uh, a, a bloody red RPG dripping down off of it that was done by Doom Scribe. So uh, we will um, homies, straight up homies, the real homies. Uh, and uh, this is coming. Well, I'll figure out how I'm going to sell it, whether it's through T Public or some other form. But this is kind of the look of the future. Um, and uh, I think we will um, we will uh, go ahead and uh, I'll sh- sh- show you guys so you can react real quick. But uh, it uh, we're real excited about uh, this, um, uh, and I I can't tell you how how proud I am of this uh, this particular thing. So uh, real excited about where we're going for season three. Stick around, uh, give us a few few shows. Uh, I got all our work. Oh to yeah, do. looking good. <laughs> and, looking good. Love it. And uh, it's uh, we're not we're not leaving. You know, we're not leaving the uh, the space. We're just cha- changing up a little bit. You know, so yeah, absolutely.
1: So uh, uh, yeah, well, hey, uh, thank you everybody for listening uh, all the way to the end. And uh, on behalf of me and Film RPG, have a great night. Bye.
0: Bye.